This episode is sponsored by Pure Pro Massage Products. Pure Pro Hypoallergenic Massage Lotion is the number one choice for oncology massage, medical massage, and hospice massage because it's safe for sensitive skin. Get your 8-ounce bottle of Pure Pro Hypoallergenic Massage Lotion absolutely free just for being a Massage Business Blueprint listener. Go to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash purepro and use coupon code SAFE, that's S-A-F-E, because PurePro is your safe choice for sensitive skin. This offer expires January 31st, 2018. So get yourself to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash purepro and use the coupon code SAFE to get an 8-ounce bottle of PurePro Hypoallergenic Massage Lotion absolutely free. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Massage Business Blueprint podcast. It is just me, Alyssa, here today, no Michael, with our special interview deep dive guest, Lauren Cates. Lauren Cates, how are you? I'm fantastic. It's always a treat to get to talk with you, and the, the MBB community is very close to my heart, so it's, it's nice to talk with them as well. Aw, that's wonderful. We do have a really good group of people. Like, they totally it's like, true. oh my gosh, so we just did this thing, and it'll be a couple weeks old by the time this podcast airs, but we got uh, Massage Business Blueprint onto Instagram. And awesome. we already have like 305 Instagram followers. Like we've already, and I've already like managed to like suss out and I think like only a hundred of them are spam. So that's really exciting. And I couldn't believe the response we've gotten on Instagram and like how many really neat therapists were on Instagram that I didn't know. And it's given me a whole new love for our tribe and our, that's such a dorky word for our tribe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are deservedly well loved. So. Aw, thanks. And yeah. I, as a nice treat, we're going to not talk about me today. We're going to talk about ah. you. So, everyone, Lauren is someone I've known for a while, and I don't remember exactly how we met, but she is one of the more impressive people. Uh, that that I have met in massage. Lauren is one of the founders of Heal Well, and she's going to tell you what that is shortly. She is really an expert and one of the top experts in oncology massage, not just in the United States, but around the world. She travels all over. She teaches. She still hands-on practices, which is a really big deal and so important. And Lauren, I'm going to stop babbling because it'll just go uh, whatever off the rails about how much I adore you, but tell me Let's start at the very beginning. Let's be linear. How did you even get into massage? What did you do before this, and how long have you been doing this? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a, a couple of a couple of questions in a row. There, it's um, you know, I when I went to college, I thought I was going to go to law school, and um, I, I don't exactly know what happened that 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 wound up not happening. But um, I decided to get a degree in English literature, and um, you know, I sort of focused in uh, uh, Virginia Woolf and um, folk tales and all sorts of things that, of course, would make me really marketable when I got out into the job market. And um, I actually wound up working in Washington, D.C. Well, actually, right after school, I went and I, uh, I worked for a company that set up big carnival and wedding tents all over the state of Iowa, which is where I went to college. And uh, I did that actually for a couple of years. And it might actually have been one of my favorite jobs. Uh, but then I decided that it was time to get a job that used my degree. So I moved uh, to the Washington, D.C. area 
and I started working for a public relations firm. And I was, um, I was working for my big accountant was actually the Ford Motor Company, and I was writing press releases about how SUVs aren't so bad for the environment. And um, it was right in the middle of the Jeep rollover crisis. So I was also writing press releases about how, you know, this is kind of overblown. And I could sort of feel my soul rotting inside me every day at work. And uh, then uh, through a series of events, I, I wound up actually getting laid off from a big project that I was working on. And um, I didn't have any backup plan. So that day, I actually walked down the street and got a job um, as a bartender in DC. And while I was bartending, somehow, and I still don't know exactly how this happened, I decided to go to a massage school orientation. I had never had a massage before in my life. Massage was not even a thing that like I thought real people did. Um, but I thought, okay, well, this somehow this appeals to me. So I went to massage orientation and uh, the first massage I ever got was the one that I had to get to go to, to apply to massage school. I had to be able to write about an experience getting a massage. So I went and got my first massage so that I could get into massage school. And, uh, you know, kind of from the first day of massage school, I was like, oh, so like, I don't know exactly how or, or what, but I think this is why I'm on the planet. Um, so that's sort of how I wound up in massage school and, and doing massage. Holy moly, that's, I had no idea. I was almost a lawyer. Like, I almost went to law school. I took classes. Like, <laughs> we like to talk. We like to write. It, it works out. Right? This is crazy. I can't believe I didn't know this about you. That's amazing. <laughs> and I totally love, yeah. I hear from so many people that the first massage they got is the one they got just before they started massage school in order to in order to be able to get in, you know, to apply to school. And that's so crazy to me. And that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because in oncology massage, I meet more and more people and, and actually even just in massage at large, I feel like so many people, their story is they were in a car accident or something happened to their mom or, you know, somebody they saw directly and firsthand the, the benefits of massage and that's what inspired them. And so I'm always like, nope, just uh, sick of bartending. And so I thought I'd try it. <laughs> That's, and I was just sick of being a pharmacy technician, figured I'd try it, but I had <laughs> so you beat me there. So tell me, what has the evolution of your career been like as you, when you, know, when you got out of massage school, what happened? Well, you know, I, um, I actually, part of my, part of my transition happened, um, within massage school because I, while I was in massage school, um, I, wound up, I had the opportunity to work with my own grandfather um, at when I, I didn't know he was dying, but he actually died while I was massaging his hand. Um, and I was like, maybe I did an 18 month massage therapy training program. And so I was probably, you know, right smack in the middle of that when that happened. And I didn't, I wasn't sort of raised in a, an environment where death was normalized or, or was, you know, just a thing that happens as part of living. And but when he died, it felt so normal for me to be there and there was nothing alarming about it. And I really sort of from that place, like I don't remember it being sort of like this lightning bolt moment where I went, oh, this is what I'm going to do with massage. But that does seem to be the place where I started going, OK, so how do I how do I get myself in this place more often with massage? How do I, you know, get into clinical settings and how do I work with people who are really ill and and you know the the spa sort of gym 
atmosphere had never really appealed to me. I mean, really, when I started massage school, I had no idea. I think I always thought I would sort of work for myself, but I didn't know what population. And so working with my grandfather in that environment, um, even though it felt normal, I maintained sort of a, a pretty visceral fear of death and serious illness. And so I decided that for my senior, my quote, senior project for massage school, I would volunteer at hospice because I thought, well, you know, like, it's not a thing we're going to get away from, you know, death is going to be here until I die. So best look at it. And so I thought maybe, you know, sort of like some immersion therapy kind of an approach. Uh, and that if I volunteered with hospice and spent a lot of time with people who are dying, that I might become more comfortable with it. And um, so I started doing that. And it didn't work. Um, <laughs> basically, I, I would go in and I would massage people. And I mean, every cell in my body would be kind of holding its breath while I would massage them. And I would just hope, hope, hope that they wouldn't like talk to me or ask me a question I couldn't answer or, you know, all of these things that I think people worry about when they think about, you know, when I tell people now what I do, they go, Oh, I could never do that. And it's, it's really all that stuff. It's all the stories we tell about like, what is my job if I'm sitting here with this person who's dying? And um, it wasn't until probably a year or so after I graduated from massage school that I found myself at a workshop with a, with a bunch of Buddhists actually, um, who said, actually, that's where the richness is, that fear, that feeling, that's a message that's really important information. And, and the way to be in these intense situations and the way to really be in your life as a mortal person is to be honest about how that can be scary sometimes and how there really is no control and that we can all become ill and we will all die. And like, while, you know, maybe at a party that makes you a downer, but as a person walking the planet earth, it actually creates a really incredible clarity and sort of a, an inspiration in everything, not even just in your work. So um, that's sort of, I was doing, I had sort of parallel paths. Immediately when I graduated from massage school, one of the jobs I had was working at this place called the Grooming Lounge, which was a spa for men uh, where they did hot lather shaves and, you know, basically just renamed all the typical spa services to appeal to dudes. That sounds awesome. And, was it? Yeah. So, well, hmm. It was interesting. I, I wound up in sort of an operations capacity shortly after I got there and um, really felt like they needed a lot of sort of tightening up of their operation. And so I started doing some of that stuff. But, you know, for people who don't know me, I, I kind of look like a dude and I get mistaken for a dude a lot. And that is how I live my life. It's not an offensive thing. But if you're a guy coming to get a massage at a place like that, a lot of the guys who come to a place like that are looking for a really pretty long haired girl with makeup and a woman who is going to like, you know, look like the women in magazines. And so I, I definitely found that I was not the kind of woman that these men were looking to get a massage from. Oh. So um, while I did develop my own little clientele of guys who really just wanted a good massage and we had our dude time and we would talk about dude things um, I definitely found that I didn't get the kind of tips that some of the other women got, which is a whole nother level of conversation that's just infuriating, especially given what's happening now with the, the Me Too movement and just sort of how all this stuff is coming out about this dynamic. But um, it was an education for sure. So I was working there while I was also working in a hospital setting and starting a hospital based program. Um, I feel like I'm giving you the super long version of how my career unfolded. Is, but it, <laughs> I am so riveted. And I, in my head, I just said to myself, like, 
I feel like every time I have a conversation with Lauren, it just makes me want to have 12 more with her. And so <laughs> I, this is, this is pretty much my fantasy gig right now. So please carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the grooming lounge, I can't remember how long I worked there, but uh, like I said, it was definitely an education and, and I, I, I learned sort of, how a lot of people perceive massage. And I think that, you know, as I've gone along my way, I mean, I, I really sort of think of massage therapy as, as social justice work, quite honestly. I mean, I feel like we're working one client, one human at a time to basically remind people that kindness is what their bodies need. And so, like, I feel like the way we're taught in massage school is, is really an insult to, to the complexity, not only of the body, but like of the journeys that we all take inside these bodies. You know, we, we're not doing what we think we're doing or, or what we've been taught to say that we're doing as massage therapists. And I feel like what we're doing when we're being the most effective is listening to the body and being kind to it and giving it permission to feel less pain and, and to not work so hard. And so I think that as I wound up in some of these environments where you know, we could go on and on about why massage is perceived this way, but basically we look at the body as this truck that needs fixing. And, you know, as massage therapists, most of us walk out of massage school with this really big clunky toolbox and we're just going to bang on you until your stuff stops hurting. Or if you leave and the next day you're, you're hurting more, that's because you quote, got a good massage. And so I feel like seeing the type of massage that people sought out in an environment like the grooming lounge and like so many spas and sort of, you know, gym massage shops and things like that, that people really believe that to get a good massage, it has to hurt both while you're getting it and the next day. And so I think I really just started to get curious about this because in my work with hospice at the end of massage school and just as I worked with more people and I, I had the opportunity to teach in my massage school's clinic and there were a number of, of what had been termed quote problem clients. And these were people who had super thick files, you know, they came every week and they would have like pages and pages in the front of their file of what they do and don't like. And somehow just looking at those, it became really clear to me that what these people like is to be seen. And to not be looked at like a piece of paper in a folder, but they want the person who's about to touch them to actually listen to what they say and to wait for them to finish their sentence and to not look at me like, you're a person who needs fixing. Oh, your leg hurts? I'm going to push on it until it doesn't hurt anymore. And so I think the different things that I got to do with massage really shifted my perspective. And, you know, and then like I just went to this amazing fascia lecture with Gil Headley and it just made me even more uh, settled, I guess, in the total not knowingness of what it is to touch another person's body. And, you know, like he, he peels back, you know, if you're familiar with Gil Headley, a lot of his stuff is about cadavers and his work in cadaver labs. And so he peels back the IT band on this person's leg, on this, on this cadaver's leg. And when you look at the structure in there, there is nothing that my forearm is going to do to change the length or the structure or anything of this part of the person's body. At the very best, I can tell that part of the body, you're doing a hell of a job. I can see that you're working really hard there and I'm going to be nice to you and just say thanks. And, and so the more I feel like we learn about the body, 
the more unhappy I am about how we're taught as massage therapists to interact with it. I think I got off track there. Sorry. That's okay. That's all right. That's a, this is, it's good and it's amazing. And again, has led me to 12. I had to take notes, Lauren, because now I want to have you on a bunch more podcasts and we'll probably have to start just hiring you. Um, so after, so you were at the grooming place. I think that's what it was called. Um, the grooming lounge. There you go. Lounge. Nice. Yes, the lounge. I, so when you, after you were at the lounge and kind of, learned this approach to saw witnessed this approach to the body that did not please you where'd you go next um so while i was working at the grooming lounge i had also um i had met a woman named brenda teal who you mentioned earlier that i am a co-founder of heal well so brenda teal and i actually founded heal well together and brenda um had been a body worker for many years at this point and had actually has and still has uh, a well-respected massage therapy clinic here in um, Arlington, Virginia, both uh, a, a freestanding clinic and then a clinic that's sort of embedded in Virginia Hospital Center in Arlington. And I interviewed with her and it's it's kind of hilarious because I gave her a massage and she was very kind, but basically was like, so that didn't suck. And I have some time on the weekends that nobody else ever wants to work. So if you want to like take those hours on call for a little while, you know, let's, let's try that. And so she was not wowed by my massage, but at the same time, um, the hospital had approached her and said, Hey, you know, we're rebranding the hospital and we'd like to set up a spa in the hospital. And Brenda actually started her clinic as a, as a neuromuscular therapy clinic. And so it's anything but a spa. But she said to them, you know, I'm not a spa, but I would be happy to bring some therapists and set up a therapeutic massage clinic in your hospital. And I said, well, I, you know, I don't know how to do it, but I know that I want to work in the hospital. So if you're willing to sort of figure this out with me, let's do that. And so um, I basically did seated massage for every department in the hospital and just kind of said like, hey, you know, and chatted up all the staff members and said, you know, we're here, we're on the main floor. You can come down and get massage, but we'd also love to figure out how to come up and touch your patients. And about this, maybe 10 or 12 months later, I applied to be um, a participant in this program called the Meta Institute End of Life Care Practitioner Program. And it was a nine-month program uh, led by those Buddhists that I talked about earlier. Uh, Frank Ostaszewski was the founder, and um, he was also the founder of the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco. And basically, it's a, it's a nine-month program that they take 25 people a year, or at least they did at the time. Um, the structure's changed a little bit, but um, basically geared toward healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, social workers, and occasional massage therapist or acupuncturist. And, you know, honestly, it's good that I didn't fully understand what it was going to be, because the reason I went is because I wanted to learn more stuff. I felt like I didn't know enough stuff to be prepared to work with people who were really sick and people who were really dying. And um, thank God that they were brilliant and fearless um, with a capital F and, and just sort of said, no, no, you know, come, you'll, you'll see how it's going to be. And um, I came and I didn't learn any stuff. I just sort of met myself and they really introduced me in this relentless but kind way to mortality and to the gifts that lie in being really honest about how breakable this outfit we're wearing is and how that affects all of us and that we we disconnect from our bodies and we disconnect from our lives and we 
spend our lives trying to pretend that we know what's going to happen in the next moment and that we can count on our bodies or that we can count on our husbands or wives or can count on anything. And they said, so guess what? You actually can't. And that's okay. And in fact, your life is going to be so much easier. It doesn't mean it's not going to be painful. It doesn't mean it's not going to be confusing, but there's going to be a an expansive sense of ease when you stop pretending that you can control anything. And I think that really broke me in a super useful, effective way that I was like, oh, I see. I'm making this all really hard. And it is hard, but pretending it isn't hard or pretending there's a way to make it less hard is what's exhausting about it. Does that make sense? Dang. Yes, it does. (laughs) So I feel really lucky that I found that so early in my practice because as I've been teaching this kind of stuff over the last handful of years, what I find is that we have to do a lot of unteaching because people have learned sort of the habits of, quote, boundaries and professional distance and things that actually make it harder to, to be a human and to really be present to your experience and the experience of other people. So working in the hospital, we started to get some interest from inpatients. And, and part of what I had to do um, for that nine-month program is I had to spend 150 hours at the bedside of dying people. And I had to do that not in my role as a massage therapist. And, you know, my, my classmates had to do it not as physicians, not as nurses, but just as humans who were being honest about the fact that a simple twist of fate could mean that I'm the person in this hospital bed. And so I went to the palliative care team at the hospital where I was working and I said, hey, you guys hang out with dying people. You know, what do you say? I need to spend 150 hours and can you guys hook me up? And they misunderstood and thought I meant I had to offer 150 hours of massage. So once we got over the bump of that and realized that I also wanted to basically donate 150 hours of companionship. But since we're talking about massage, let's see how that would look. And so we started to do some work with the palliative care team. But a lot of that work wound up being unpaid. And as we started to see more demand from patients, we started to get more strict about what kind of massage therapist we would hire at that location. So we were basically limiting our hiring to people who had, to put it simply, spent thousands of hours and dollars to get the training that we required to qualify to work with us but then they were doing a whole bunch of that work for free. And that's when Healwell was born. We sort of said, okay, this is not a thing. You know, if, we were, if we're serious about massage therapy and serious about massage therapy as healthcare, we have to pay these therapists and we have to make the investment that they're making to be worthy of working with us something that's worthy of them. And so um, in retrospect, I don't know that I actually would have gone the nonprofit route. Uh, because it is a, it can be a very cumbersome route. But um, I said, okay, so what's, what are the problems here? First of all, massage therapists are, their training is abysmal. And I don't honestly care where you go. If you get trained in the United States, for the most part, and even in New York, and some of these states that have really lengthy, complex, you know, comprehensive programs, I think our understanding of what our role as massage therapist is, is so lacking that it's hard to create a curriculum that actually meets the need um, that we're trying to meet. Um, so therapists were coming to us to work in the hospital 
without even just basic knowledge of anatomy and physiology and some of the things that we would like to assume that they got in massage school, but then other things that they would have no business knowing, at least with the way massage therapy is taught in this country about cross-contamination and how to record in an electronic medical record and, you know, just talking with nurses and doctors about a, a plan of care for a patient and how we fit into that. And so we said, you know, we have to fix this training issue. We also need more research. So we, we participate in research and partner with facilities to conduct meaningful research around massage and how it benefits people in the clinical setting. And then we also just need to provide this service. So we need to take these trained therapists and plug them into hospital settings and get them integrated in a meaningful way that makes it really clear to everybody involved that this is not just some sort of luxury add-on service, but that incorporating massage in a meaningful way provided by properly trained therapists improves outcomes and changes the experience of being in a hospital in America. And that's, that is what HealWell works to do. We offer advanced continuing ed, and we're really moving more into a sort of an interprofessional model that, you know, there's so many things happening in the continuing ed sort of landscape within the massage profession that are really disheartening um, and that I think really aren't, aren't helping us as a profession. And so, you know, we'll continue to stay connected to that. But as an organization, our real focus is going to be toward let's bring nurses in and let's bring physicians and social workers and PTs and OTs and let's create courses together that confer CEs for massage therapists, for PTs, for OTs, but that get us all talking to each other so that those assumptions about massage can be debunked and we can start to, we can start to also learn more about what it is to be a PT, what it is to be an OT and how these things can be truly complementary and that the competition here is pain. The competition is illness. It's not different disciplines against massage or vice versa. Whoa. So tell me what you, <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. I, I get so kind of astounded that I had no idea of this, these portions of your background and how Heal Well came to be. And we're going to talk more about Heal Well in a minute, but tell me what, so that's kind of how Heal Well came to be. And that's what it's doing. What is, what's your life like right now? Like what's your day-to-day -day work like? <laughs> What does Lauren do? Because you've got Heal Well, you've got teaching all over, you've got your own massage practice. What's what's a week like for Lauren? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it definitely varies. And I mean, we can also toss into the mix that I have a seven-year-old son. And so, um, you know, that just brings with it. I mean, if you want to be really brought face to face with um, the fact that you have no control, introduce a young person <laughs> and, and all the things that come with becoming a human and just watching that process. But um, I, I see uh, my son, I'm actually uh, divorced. So um, I see my son pretty much every day um, and I have him every other night. So I factor that into all of the things that I do. Um, but I have a private practice, which varies. I tend to see somewhere between five and 12 people a week. Uh, some of them I see in their homes. Some of them come to me. Um, I also do, uh, Healwell is contracted with a variety of hospitals throughout the Washington, D.C. area. And we're actually currently working on a pretty big study, uh, a two-year dosing study with uh, the MedStar Washington Hospital Center um, group up in D.C., and so I'm up there a couple times a week, either seeing patients or just 
having meetings, talking about protocols and budgets and all the things that go with um, conducting a study where we're hoping to have 400 discrete patients who will each be getting multiple massages and we'll be measuring a variety of factors with that uh, study. So that's definitely a lot of work. We have, Healwell is a pretty small shop. So we have Lucille Eddy is uh, my uh, right-hand person who has been with Healwell um, since shortly after it was born and she's the program director. Um, so there's always at least one meeting a week uh, with Lucille and she happens to live across the street from me as well. So there are lots of little accidental meetings. And then Carrie Jordan is our operations manager. So she does all of the course registration. She does all of our Facebook content. She does all of our social media stuff. Um, and she and I are kind of a two-person fundraising team. So we have a fundraising meeting every week and then just a how are class registrations going and is the website working and, you know, what does the bank account look like and all that stuff kind of meetings. So um, some massage, lots of administration. Um, I'm actually sitting here at my uh, desk with a, a pile about, I don't know, probably three or four inches high of fundraising letters that will go out that I have to sign and write little notes in um, for all of our donors. So, um, you know, all of that stuff is constantly being attended to and, and running a nonprofit um, takes a lot of work and takes a lot of, you know, I have a board of directors that I report to and that I'm constantly recruiting uh, to get people to work with our board of directors. And we do have a, a give or get um, donation requirement for our board members. So that uh, affects how many people we can uh, or what kind of people we can we can bring on to our board because they have to be willing to either donate $5,000 or bring in $5,000 each year. Um, but they're really, you know, they help me hold the vision together of the organization and kind of look at all the different trends in the massage therapy profession and the healthcare profession, looking at legal and business implications and all that stuff that goes into how do we get what we need to get done done in the most efficient, effective way. And, and kind of just, um, there's a lot of turbulence, I feel like, in the massage therapy profession. And so staying connected to that, but more broadly, really staying connected to healthcare and, and how does, how does, and how can we make massage therapy fit into that conversation in a meaningful way? Um, knowing that there are lots of forces within our profession that are sort of undermining our ability to really be perceived as healthcare and, um, just, you know, keeping our feet on all of those logs that are floating in this big river. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a lot of activity packed into one week, Lauren. <laughs> you know, Definitely. Saving, saving the massage world from itself is a big job. Yeah, that's definitely true. So this is our last kind of stock question of the interview portion of this okay. episode. And then we're going to launch into a very practical and applicable question that one of our readers asked that spurred us to have Lauren on, but we'll get to that in a minute. What is your fantasy situation? What's your, if I win the lottery tomorrow, or if you find someone, you know, wealthy and amazing, who's like, Hey, I'm going to give you 5 million bucks. What are you going to do with it? What's your, if you, I win the lottery plan for your career or would there be a career if you Boy. win the lottery? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, there. There's the question, right? I mean, I mean, I think I'm lucky in that, you know, as I've been thinking about this question, uh, because, uh, spoiler alert for the listeners, I, I did get a little time to prep on this. I, um, you know, part of me really would just like to write songs and go and sing all over the place and just be like some kind of a, a, a rock star. 
Um, but given that that's unlikely to happen for me at this point, um, I really would do what I do now only better um, and sort of more efficiently, I think, because we really, you know, Healwell, I think that we have done an amazing job in creating our footprint and kind of getting the word out about what we do and why it's important. Um, but we still are not even able to pay our administrative staff, you know, Carrie and Lucille and myself at a at sort of market level, um, which means that we each have to see five, 10, 25 people uh, a week. And in addition to doing what we do for Healwell. So I actually um, shudder with glee to think of what we could accomplish if each of us could actually make Healwell our full-time job, um, which to me, for me personally, that would mean speaking at medical conferences and nursing conferences, um, doing a lot more writing, uh, a lot more collaborating across professions and across disciplines to really help people understand that massage is not as simple as it's been understood to be and, and why it matters that we elevate the level of practice for massage therapists and why, you know, as a hospital administrator, you shouldn't just be calling your local massage therapist to come massage your patients, that there's a lot more to um, making massage create a value-added benefit to the care that you provide for your patients. So, um, and then I think, you know, I know that Carrie and Lucille would both love to be teaching uh, more oncology massage, more pathology, more of that kind of stuff. I would love to do a lot more teaching of to all uh, healthcare professions and caregivers about just like, stop pretending you're not going to die. Because believe me, it's going to make you a way better caregiver if you just get super honest about how that's a thing that's upsetting to think about and to really make friends with their mortality. And um, I feel like, you know, I have a course that I teach. I teach a three-day course called Opening to the Mystery, um, Caring for People at the End of Life. And it's actually three pretty fun days of like, right, you're going to die. And that can actually make your life better. And here's how we get to that place. And here are all the places where you're telling stories that don't serve you and where you're standing in your own way. And I feel like at its base, that's sort of the thrust of Healwell is introducing a different kind of healthcare professional to the healthcare environment and introducing a different way to provide care that doesn't look at humans as broken, but accepts that humans are broken, if you know what I mean. And it's part of uh, my if I win the lottery fantasy, um, and probably even if I don't win the lottery fan fantasy, we're going to make this happen in the next couple of years, is that I really want you to come here and take and teach that class, come to me in Massachusetts and teach that three-day class, because I have a, a dear friend who is a, a Baptist minister and also a hospice chaplain. And it wow. is he's amazing. And I used to work for him at the summer camp that I used to work at. And I am I privileged. It is a privilege to get to be his friend to this, you know, this person you, you worshiped and also was the first person <laughs> of color. He was the first person of color I ever met, like as a child growing up. Wow. Like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. So I have like, I have this dream of having dinner with Lauren and Jeffrey and like, and also doing this yeah. class together. <laughs> he and I one day want to create some kind of end of life thing in this area, but nonetheless, that's my thing. So we are going to take a moment for our halftime sponsor, and then we're going to jump into the second portion, which will really be like the last quarter of this episode uh, with a real practical question that one of our readers gave. But I am so pleased to say that today our exclusive sponsor of this interview podcast episode with Lauren Cates is Pure Pro Massage Products. And I love Pure Pro. I've been using them for years. Pure Pro, and part of the reason we asked them to be our sponsor of this episode, 
they are just the number one choice for oncology massage professionals coast to coast. It is specifically their Pure Pro hypoallergenic massage lotion. It's clean. It's got a powder soft texture that makes it really good for all types of massage and ideal for elderly pediatric clients, clients with fragile skin, clients undergoing radiation or chemo. All of Pure Pro products are vegan and cruelty-free and they're all nut-free so you can be safe. You can trust Pure Pro because it's made by massage therapists for massage therapists. Just for being a Massage Business Blueprint podcast listener, you can get an eight-ounce bottle of Pure Pro hypoallergenic massage lotion absolutely free. You can go to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash purepro and use the coupon code SAFE, S-A-F-E, to get an eight ounce bottle of Pure Pro hypoallergenic lotion absolutely free. But specifically, Lauren, I know that you know Diana Dapkins who owns Pure Pro and you know Pure Pro products well. So tell me what you love about or what your favorite Pure Pro product is. Uh, yeah, wow. Well, I, I definitely, I, I know Diana and I know her products and um, Diana has been a, a sort of unofficial sponsor of HealWell for years now, um, providing uh, lotion for our courses, for the demo portion of our courses and um, just really doing what she can. When I was the president of the Society for Oncology Massage, um, she would always reach out to us really proactively and just say, hey, you know, like these are my products and everything you just said about them uh, makes them ideal for oncology massage. And um, I think, you know, I always joke with my clients that the only nut involved in this lotion is the one putting it on your body um, because I'm that cheesy kind of guy. Yeah, I just, I feel safe with them. Uh, they, sometimes I leave my bag in my car. They do well with all kinds of different temperatures and uh, they don't smell. They've got a great glide. I mean, I could go on and on about Pure Pro and how amazing it is. And I like that I know Diana and that if you buy Diana's project product, you'll know Diana. And she's just amazing with customer service and um, really gets massage therapists and massage therapy. She really does. So go to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash purepro and use the coupon code SAFE, S-A-F-E, to get an eight ounce bottle of Pure Pro hypoallergenic lotion absolutely free. And now we are going to launch into the final part of our episode, which is Answering a very specific question, and this all came about because a reader, a premium member, sent me an email, and she is highly trained in oncology massage, and she is now getting her practice back off the ground after taking some time off for a couple of years, and she sent me this question, which I will read in its entirety. I often see women that clearly have cancer or a medical need that creates the appearance of going through cancer treatment. I have always politely stayed silent around these women when I am out and about and see them, but is there a way to let these women know about my services that is tact tactful, respectful, and compassionate? I've never approached them because I see the last thing I want to do is appear to be capitalizing on their illness, but the other side of this is that they might find value in my service, and am I really helping by saying nothing? I'm sure other oncology therapists and therapists serving other populations that are not mainstream run into this. And I did not know how to this, ask this question, hence Lauren's presence, and also because Lauren's amazing. So Lauren, what, what do you think? <laughs> well, it was really funny when you sent this to me because I, I had this really visceral reaction. Me um, too! Which, to me, yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, which says to me that this is, this is something that I need to ask lots of different people about because um, uh, my visceral reaction is, is one of like, my answer is right, and, and I, that's never correct. And so 
Um, I, you know, I actually was reminded there's this great cartoon that we ran on our Healwell Facebook page a couple of weeks ago where it's got this picture of a rhino with a little beret on and he's standing in front of an easel painting and you see the picture he's painting and there's a, there's a rhino nude, you know, at the front of the class, but his painting is the nude with a big horn through the middle of it because what he sees is his own horn in front of and and it's all about perspective and how you know and people like, no, totally, but that's what i see right i'm gonna put the link to this cartoon in the podcast notes so it will be there but continue on good <laughs> so so um as someone who honestly i have spent 99 percent of my massage career working with people who um are living with cancer or some other type of illness and honestly once you once you go through what I feel like has been the transformation that I've gone through, everybody you touch is sort of like living with something that qualifies them for extra special TLC. And so um, one of the first things that occurred to me is like, in my experience, being an effective oncology massage therapist and, and really just being an effective human has so much to do with just being quiet, um, you know, with noticing and quieting our habitual impulses and with just sitting still and making space. And so my first response was like, when you make an unsolicited approach like that, you're, you're taking up, you're, you're sort of taking away space. Um, and, you know, I think one of the other key things for me, and I talk to a bunch of my clients who are currently in treatment, who have been in treatment um, for cancer and for other things. Um, and so there are a couple of different perspectives that people had, but I think the the first question you have to ask yourself is how do you want to be perceived? You know, I think of myself as a healthcare professional and I work to see my interactions related to massage therapy in that way. So, you know, as, as your friend and mine, Tracy Walton says, borrow from the medical model. So if you're a dentist and you see a person who looks like they could benefit from braces or like tooth whitener, do you walk up to them in the grocery store and say, Hey, I'm a dentist. I could really make your smile look better. Um, you know, if you're an obstetrician, do you walk up to an obviously pregnant person and say, hey, I hope you've got a doctor. If you don't, I'm your guy. Um, and hopefully everyone is laughing because that wouldn't happen, right? But oh, it's hilarious. Where I was thinking, I was like, this would be like if, if someone like a personal trainer walked up to me and handed me their card and was like, hey, yeah, I could see you could use the gym. Right, right. I would way rather like a, a baker walk up to me and be like, Hey, I bet you enjoy cake. <laughs> Seriously. Well, what I thought was very interesting was that so many of the people I asked, massage therapists and people who've received massage, said it's like when you walk up to someone who looks pregnant and you say, when are you due? Like, it just makes you cringe, right, just thinking about that scenario because there's all kinds of reasons why that's a bad idea. And I also um, want to point out that um, this is such a great question for so many reasons because our reader's instinct was so correct. It, yes. Like I have always stayed silent. And at yeah. the same time, she is thinking, how can I connect with the people I wish to serve? So she's asking a yes. really great question and that she is rethinking her interactions or lack of interactions with people in order to connect with the community she wants to serve. So I, I, while we are making jest at all of the varieties of this, the, the inherent question is beautiful. So hats off. And yes. to everyone who's re-examining how they interact with potential clients, know that. Know that even asking this question is great, even though it has some funny responses. But carry on, Definitely. Lauren. 
Well, and I got, and, and basically that's, that's sort of like the closing thing that I want to comment on. Um, what, there's one more point that almost all of the survivors I talked with said there was one, one of my clients who still, she's been out of treatment and no evidence of disease for six years now, but still, and I see her weekly, almost every time I see her, she talks about how great she slept because of my massages when she was going through treatment. And when I asked her this question, she was initially had the same visceral response we all had. But then she said, but you know what, if, and I can't remember how she learned about oncology massage, but it was something sort of like this where someone just sort of mentioned it to her. And she said, you know, if I, if that person hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known. And so, you know, there's always, there's always the case that you can say, well, it worked for this person. Um, but the majority of the people I spoke with, basically, the survivors talked, they said something like, basically, like when I was going through treatment, I wanted to disappear when I was grocery shopping, when I was at the gas station, when I, when I left my house, I just basically wanted to ghost in and ghost out. And one of my clients even said, that just feels kind of predatory to me. And, and it's a harsh word. And, and because of the way, like you said, that your, your reader's um, question was written, I absolutely, I don't think that she is a predator, but I think what we do, and I, I find this particularly with oncology massage, and I'm sure it happens with other sort of specialties, is that we forget we've put our cape on and that we see someone who appears to be suffering and we think we're the answer or what we do is the answer. And to, re to really just take that minute to go, you know what, that person may have summoned all the energy they have for the day to come and get milk at the grocery store. They don't actually need to be reminded that they have cancer or that they look like they have cancer. Um, so then to get to your reader's question, which, which she sort of tied it up with, so how do we appropriately and respectfully market to and reach out to these people? And I think there are so many places where you can do this where people have gathered because they have cancer, because they are looking for resources. And so, you know, it may seem too pedestrian and, you know, sort of like, well, I've tried that. Um, but, you know, you want to go to support groups and do presentations. You want to reach out to organizations and groups where survivors gather. And it doesn't have to be support groups. It can be, you know, in D.C., the dragon boat races are a huge thing for the breast cancer survivors. And so you get people who are already engaged in sort of a physical activity and looking to be well and to support themselves. They would be a great audience and they'd be happy to talk with you. Um, there you know, are go to, so go where many charity events yes. around yes. cancer. And, and again, like this is the inherent question is how do I reach that community I want to serve? And I think part of the key here is just repetitively educating everyone at every opportunity that you do oncology massage and it's good because xyz it's a well and this is this is the, that's a good segue because the other point that i wanted to make and certainly I, I mean i think not everybody is this extroverted but when you're thinking about selling oncology massage think not so much about your own practice, but like pitching stories to your local newspaper, to the cancer support magazines, to places where people living with cancer are reading about how to make their cancer suck less. Because that gets the word out broadly about oncology massage, which will trickle down to you. But if you're someone who feels inspired to do that, then you do that work for people who are afraid to or just don't have that skill. But then to make sure that when you get that call back on that press release or whatever kind of outreach you do, that you don't overstate. We're not actually boosting the immune system. We don't have that data yet. 
We're not actually making nausea less. That's we're getting there, but we're not there yet. Stick to we decrease pain and we decrease anxiety. We can say that studies suggest, clients report. This it's all about the way we talk about it, but there's no need to overstate because as I as I always say, even if the only thing we ever prove is that we decrease pain and we decrease anxiety, find me a human who doesn't live with one or both of those, even if they don't have cancer. That is enough. Let that be enough. And on that, I think you nailed it. <laughs> that was Boom! A, Winning! Yeah, <laughs> mic drop. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to let that rest. Lauren, okay. if, people, if people want to find you and learn more about you, where should they go? They should come to healwell.org, H-E-A-L-W-E-L-L.org. And uh, we're actually doing a whole bunch of fun stuff for Giving Tuesday and our sort of end of the year fundraising push. So check us out on Facebook. We post studies and articles and things that really will keep you connected to trends in healthcare and, and, and stuff that's just more broad that you can make your own, you can connect your own dots about how they connect to massage. But um, we are also on uh, LinkedIn. We're on uh, Twitter. You can see us all over the internet. Uh, we have our own little YouTube channel with some cool videos on it. So, um, and our, our schedule of courses is there as well. So you can come do Oncology Massage 101 with us. We have a six-day Oncology Massage Intensive we do every summer here in D.C., and then we have our nine-day hospital-based training course where you actually get to work in the ICU and in the oncology unit and in the acute rehab unit and really touch patients in hospital beds and record in the electronic medical record and really get your feet wet in what it is to be a massage therapist in the hospital. And everyone, I will make sure that all of these links are available in the podcast notes. If you go to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash podcast, you will find this episode with Lauren Cates and we will make sure that you have everything you need to learn more about HealWell. And a thing I am going to do, which I didn't know until I just went now to the healwell.org donate page, uh, donate uh, hyphen now page, but you'll see the big donate button when you go to the website is that you can make, you can designate HealWell to be, to receive a part of your Amazon purchases through Amazon Smile. I didn't realize that HealWell was on Amazon Smile and I'm totally Indeed. going, yeah, and I like to annually switch the, the charity that I, or the nonprofit that I hook up to my Amazon Smile account. So I'm totally going to flip that to HealWell today. And, awesome. Thank yeah. you. And, and I, I want to say with our, with our end of the year outreach, with our fundraising, we just signed up with Network for Good, which makes it way easier to just plain donate. But also for people like me, like I donate 10 bucks a month to Heal Well because I can't afford 120 bucks at a clip, but I want to give them more than what I can give them today. So we, we can easily set up a recurring donation. If you feel like, oh, I can't give that much, but I want to do something. We're all about the monthly donors and small amounts. Or even just occasionally wait till they run some kind of t-shirt campaign. I have a great campaign. Exactly. Ah, I got a great t-shirt with the Heal Well logo that says we make cancer suck less and my, I, my clients love it. So everyone, <laughs> awesome. this has probably been our, our longest podcast episode and the one that has oh, left me sorry. the most. This, no, this is great. This is a good thing. <laughs> and I have a, a ton of notes of other things I want to talk to Lauren about. So we're definitely <laughs> going to suck her into being a recurring guest. 
So thank, awesome. thank you all for sticking with us. You can visit us at massagebusinessblueprint.com. If you need anything, just, just go there and contact us and we'll make it happen. And Lauren, you are a hero. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, my friend. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.